Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 55. So then guys, this week I am tackling the Dr. Afro comics number 26 to 31 and I'm going to touch on the second annual as well. This collection is called Worst Among Equals and just for clarity, you can check out episodes 51, 46 and 42 of Star Wars Comics in Canon for the previous editions of the Dr. Afro comics and also on my YouTube channel, Genuine Chit Chat, where I upload my other podcast information as well as episodes for this show. I've put it into a playlist as well so I've got the Dr. Afra playlist I think there's a Darth Vader playlist the main run of Star Wars playlist book reviews and then guests relating to Star Wars stuff I think they're the playlists I've made so far I am planning on eventually making more uh, I'm doing the age of resistance heroes stuff next week so i think i'm going to do an age of playlist as well bits and pieces so obviously you can check on the feed of comics and motion which is where the majority of you listen and obviously i release a new episode every saturday so you can just go back saturday by saturday to eventually find it or just go on youtube and then they're all in playlists there however you want to listen so a little bit of information about this comic. So the writer is Simon Spurrier, the artist is Emilio Lazo, and the colour artist is Rachel Rosenberg. Now it's worth mentioning that issue 31, which is the last issue of this arc, the artist for that, as well as Emilio Lazo, is Andrea Bracado. Issue 26 of this comic was released in November 2018, issue 31 was released in April 2019, and the trade paperback collection, called Worse Among Equals, was released in June 2019. Now for clarity, on social media, I will have either by the time of this episode's release or the day after, I will have uploaded photos of the covers of these comics as well as a few photos from inside. And on my Patreon right now, they're already up. So as I always say, and I won't go on about it, but I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. If you go on there and you support the show, then you can see some of these photos that released early. Got my Afterthoughts show, early access to genuine chit chat. So if you fancy that, you know, check it out. There's also two episodes for free up there right now so if you go there you can listen to me and Megan talk about our views on Star Wars The Phantom Menace for about 25 minutes as well as our Witcher Series 1 episode so go check that out the link is in the description so let's do what I always do then let's read the crawl of this arc and then I'm going to get on to the narrative the connections and the usual sort of jazz I do on these episodes so here we go Rogue archaeologist Dr. Afro is on the run after narrowly escaping Imperial custody and the wrath of Darth Vader but a new enemy has revealed itself in the form of Afra's former fellow inmate, Lopset, who is actually the psychotic Dr. Cornelius Everzan. Everzan's latest scheme has trapped Afra and her worst nemesis, the psychotic droid Crime Lord Triple Zero, into an explosive confrontation. So a couple of quick things here, just in case anyone listening has not listened to any of the other Afra episodes and doesn't intend to. Triple uh, Zero, he's a psychotic protocol droid so imagine c-3po but instead of the desire for etiquette and calm he likes chaos and he has bloodlust so he likes to murder people and drain their blood and whatnot all the crime lord stuff that is 
information that is explained in previous episodes, so I'm not going to delve into that now. Now, for Dr. Cornelius Everson, I have actually given him quite a big biography in, I think it was the last um, episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon to feature Dr. Afra. so I think that was episode 51. If you go back to that, I give a brief, but essentially, the best way I explain it to people is, in A New Hope, when Luke is in the cantina and you've got that guy with a weird face who goes up to Luke and says, he doesn't like you, and, you know, Luke is like, whatever. He's like, I don't like you either. That guy... That's Dr. Cornelius Everson. He's with his friend there, which is an Aqualish, which is the species, and the guy who gets his arm sliced off by Obi-Wan, that is Ponder Baba. So he's also known as Walrus Man, uh, and I think that Cornelius Everson's name in sort of before they gave proper names was also Rufo, or um, R-O-O-F-O-O. So yeah, Rufo and Walrus Man, slash the guy yelling at Luke and the guy who gets his arm sliced off, that is Dr. Cornelius Everson and Ponder Baba. Everson seems to be a human, but he's basically done experiments on himself loads, which is why his face looks all weird and Ponda Baba is an Aqualish which is their species uh, so they're quite heavily in this one and it's been kind of a build up to that because in the previous episodes of Afra he's been mentioned and then obviously in the last issue it was revealed that he was actually Lopset so you know a lot of build up to this character and he was also fun fact in Rogue One uh, you get to see him, him and um, well Jin Erso kind of bumps arms with him and he kind of turns and scowls at her and stuff and that little moment vaguely gets referenced in this as well because it says that when they decraniolated Tam Posler's partner that was actually on Jeddah. So, a lot of little back information about that. So, let's get on to it. The first comic is issue number 26. I did say at the start, annual number two. I'll probably tackle that just after this one. Uh, I'm not going to go into huge amount of detail. I'm just going to give you some vague plot points. But issue number 26 is what we're starting with, which is the first part of this arc. And it starts with Everzan and Pondababa are watching Afra and Triple Zero on a planet called Milvane. Now, the reason they're doing that, it does get explained in the previous, but essentially they've got bombs in their necks. If they get more than, I think it's 20 meters away from each other, they will both explode. And Everzan is doing this basically for fun. He's doing it because he just wants to kind of watch Afra and Triple Zero, who are two very, well, morally bankrupt in different ways. Like, Triple Zero is an actual psychopath. Well, it would be a psychopath if it wasn't a droid, but he has no morals or anything and he just doesn't get that. Whereas Afra is more sort of morally gray, where she's kind of in it for herself. So that's basically them. And so Everson and Pondababa are watching it through Triple Zero's eyes, so that's how they can view everything. So Milvane is this place where it's very, very lawful. It, it's quite... I actually get the, the impression of... if I'm sure a lot of you guys listening have read 2000 AD or Judge Dredd comics or at least watch the Judge Dredd movie of Sylvester Stallone or watch the Dredd movie in 2012 of Carl Urban, any of those things, if you know who Judge Dredd is and what Mega City is or Mega City 1, if you know the kind of realm that Judge Dredd is in, this actually reminds me quite a lot of that. The sort of, you know, you do a small crime, you get punished to the full extent of the law, but things seem on the surface to be better, but maybe they're not. It, that's how I kind of view this. You know, if any of you guys are listening who are massive Judge Dredd or 2000 AD fans have read this batch of comics, I would really like to hear your opinions on it because it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, but Milvane isn't really anywhere else in the canon. It's in Afra, it's in a book, and then in Legends, it's in a source book as well. So it was a name that was basically mentioned in passing in Legends and they've used it here and now it's fully in the canon. So as I said, it's all very law-abiding and things, and Afra and Triple Zero try and get past just like the first hurdle in this multifaceted planet and city, and they they try and get through this basically checkpoint. They don't have identification, and they are criminals, and so Triple Zero tries to, well, succeeds in killing the cop by electrocuting him so much he essentially pops 
which is quite intense after Afra begging him not to do it. And so then the police are on pursuit pretty immediately on Afra and Zero. While this is happening, once again, I want to clarify, I am scathing over the details. There is so much visually in these comics. There's a lot going on in a lot of them. I am going to be kind of skipping over certain details because as I always say to you guys, I'm explaining the plot. I'm giving connections to other stuff. And this is made so that you can listen to this and still enjoy the comics that you're reading but i can't give every single piece of detail and there is a lot of detail in these comics that i i really recommend this is where you know the afro comics were already really cool and they really pick up in these sort of issues in my opinion so it cuts to tam posler getting covered in those fungus spores now that is from the previous arc tam posler he's a mercenary who's got it in for dr afra and cornelius everson he got killed and these four sensitive spores we thought they got squished by darth vader and destroyed they were i don't know incapacitated if spores can get that way but whatever you see this floating corpse of tam posler around a kreska jail and the fungus consumes him and then nothing else is said about that for a while it does this while you've got Evazan as giving this vague narrative because he's basically speaking to Ponda Baba um, while they're watching this feed of Afra and Triple Zero. It's a really, really cool part, and I'm not going to read it out because I just think you guys would really enjoy it, but it, it's, it's a lot of fun of the reasoning he gives, and he gives all this complex reasoning, and then at the end he goes, oh, so it's fun to watch. <laughs> so I quite like that. And he, he explained to Ponda why they chose Milvane, and it's basically, you know, Afra and Triple Zero criminals, putting them on a planet that is so inherently lawful is just fun to watch so that's why they're doing that after triple zero kills the police officer after afra tries and fails to bribe them afra says to him well why did you do that and zero is like well why would i not do that you know by your way we have less money and i don't get to murder someone (laughs) that line of dialogue is just a perfect encapsulation of triple zero and i love it he is one of my favorite characters so they try and uh it's called hot wiring a vehicle you know as we know it you know steal a car and things they basically tried to do that in the star wars universe and the vehicle starts flashing lights and the alarms going off saying they need a valid identification to drive that vehicle avra and zero curse the planet for being so lawful and then are trying to work out how to get out of the situation while there are cops slowly surrounding them triple zero self-destructs the ship that they came in on which causes a fiery rain of shrapnel and things and calamity around the police prioritize saving the innocents from the explosion that just happened with all the bits of ship falling down which allows afra and triple zero to kind of slip away they manage to hide and afra is scouring the holonet and the imperial newsfeed holonet is basically just the internet and she can't find mention of Tolvin, who is the love interest who's been kind of on and off over the last little while. And in the last arc, to remind you guys, Tolvin had her mind wiped by the Borg, which is the weird giant octopus-like thing that can manipulate people's brains and incept their brains and put false memories in there. And Afra used Borg to make Tolvin think that she murdered Afra in a passion killing. So when Darth Vader interrogated Tolvin, Darth Vader believed that from Tolvin because if Darth Vader thought for a moment that Afra is still alive, he would have killed Tolvin and then pursued Afra. But because of a lot of events that happened in the last comic, Tolvin managed to escape and Vader crossed off Afra off a list, essentially putting her as deceased still. So I gave that information because Afra is looking up Tolvin and can't find anything about her. Afra then mentions that Zero seems a little bit touchy when it comes to mentioning BT-1 and he says specifically well no I don't care about BT-1 it's just that BT had my encrypted memories that you encrypted so in the last one Afra got hold of Triple Zero's memories and instead of just letting him have it she encrypted them as a sort of insurance thing and then BT-1 got destroyed back under Kreska jail which obviously Triple Zero is not happy about 
Trebizor then looks in a reflective window and speaks directly to Evazan, saying that he knows someone is watching and that he is specifically going to find them and give them a slow death, which is a lot of fun, and it makes Evazan and Pondababa kind of look at each other a little bit sheepishly there. Then Tribuzer and Afra pursue and find this guy called Rajum Nuss, and he says that he'll be able to take the bombs out of them. So he sedates them, and just before it fades out, Zero says that when the bomb's gone, he's going to kill Afra, and Afra was trying to convince him otherwise, as they were both kind of fading out, and Tribuzer was having none of it. Aside from giving Afra a five-minute head start. They then awaken and Afra bails almost immediately and Triple Zero says he's going to stay with the Doctor and Afra's like, well, can you not? Zero says, well, you've got your five minutes. This is what I'm going to spend the five minutes doing. You can either bail or you can stay and waste your time. So Afra leaves and then just before leaving the building that they're in, she checks some of the scans of what the Doctor was getting up to while they were under. And this Doctor guy, as I said, is called Rajam Nuss, doesn't appear anywhere else. Afra scans things and it confirms that the bombs had not been removed. Instead, a countdown was triggered, a 10 hour long countdown. As she realizes this, she runs back into the room to where Triple Zero is, and Triple Zero is standing over the mutilated corpse of Rajam Nuss and just says, Oops. And that is where the first comic ends. So now I would start the next comic number 27, but I'm going to quickly mention the annual. So this is Dr. Afra's annual number two. If you buy the trade paperback collection of Worst Among Equals, the annual will be included in that. I am a special boy and I've got the issues individual. So when you see the photo of that on social media, you get to see the individual issues. How lucky are you? So I'm going to go into annual number two just briefly. It gives background to these two characters, Winloss and Nock. Now, Nock is a Trandoshan female, and she is the wife of Winloss, who is a human male. Now, that is not generally a very common pairing in the Star Wars universe. I've not seen it before, and the way they interact with each other gives the impression that it is not a very common thing. And just for clarity, Trandoshan is the same species as Bosk. They're basically lizard people. A lot of the time, Trandoshans are quite morally bankrupt. They're generally quite bad as a species. Not to say all of them are bad, because in the High Republic at the moment, there's a Jedi Master called Skir, who is a very important individual and is a very good person. So it's not that every Trandoshan is inherently evil, evil or bad, it's just the way their culture is and the way they view a lot of things, it's slightly different. They worship a god called the Scorekeeper and all this other stuff. I have detailed it in a prior episode. I think I detailed it in the Age of Rebellion Heroes comics, I think, because Leia has an interaction with Bosk when she's pretending to be Boosh, which is the helmet she wears in Return of the Jedi when she's posing to be a bounty hunter when she infiltrates Jabba's palace. She has a little adventure while pretending to be Bosch. She has to go rescue Lando and she has an interaction with Bosk. And I think when I did that, I gave information about the scorekeeper and things. So if you want to know about that, go check out that other episode because it's speaking about Trandoshan culture is not just an easy thing I could just pop on in here. Um, but generally speaking, as I said, Trandoshans are not good, but this one seems to be. So the annual number two, it's quite a cool comic and it's quite a fun read. I'm not going to go into all the details, but in essence, they have a job. They go to a rendezvous point. It turns out it's Afra on the comms and she helps get them through this temple where there's booby traps everywhere and she keeps saying she's referring to sacred texts and then as it gets further and further she's like oh watch out for that watch out for that and there's loads of dead bodies and things everywhere and it seems to become apparent that what's actually happened is Afra doesn't have any texts it is just that she sent loads of other people in there and they keep getting killed so she knows by trial and error where all the temple traps are 
They then fight this beast. Uh, there's mention of like a moral code where neither Winloss nor Nock like to actually kill beasts. They like to trap them and give them to people. They don't really like killing people either. It basically ends with Aphra betraying them and trying to steal the artifact that is in that temple. I'm not going to delve into it any further than that. That's really all you need to know because it is actually a really fun annual. It's, it's one of the better annuals. A lot of the annuals actually are quite weak sometimes. Um, so I'd say if you are a fan of Aphra, check that out. If you do have Marvel Unlimited, the annuals are under Dr. Aphra Annual as a series, as opposed to being amidst the standard Dr. Aphra issues. I feel like it would be a lot easier if they just included it in that, but, you know, I'm not in charge of Marvel or Disney or anything like that. So, yeah, you can find it on Marvel Unlimited. It's worth a read, and I'd say it's probably worth reading either before you tackle this whole arc or after issue 26. And, yeah, it just gives backstory on win-loss and knock and how they know Aphra beforehand. So moving on to issue number two, which is, well, issue number 27, the second part of this, it starts with Winloss and Nock, unsurprisingly. They approach what seems to be Princess Leia, and she gives them an order to retrieve Triple Zero for them for money, or to rather, to kill Triple Zero for money. They basically say no, and then they see that actually Dr. Aphra is involved, and they go, oh, actually, no, we'll make you a deal. We'll kill Aphra, and we'll bring you Triple Zero alive, if that's okay. And they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead, we can do that. Then they leave and it shows that um, it's actually Dr. Cornelius Everson who is posing as Leia because he basically is just doing it because it makes the game more fun. This weird, he calls it an experiment that he's doing on Aphra and Triple Zero, but he's just watching it for fun. And the reason you know it's him is he uses that weird pleuroplec is what it's called, which is like a squid thing you put on your face and then it changes your appearance. So while that is going on, Aphra finds a guy called Professor Prexo who may be able to remove the bombs. He seems to be a specialist in the city and obviously Triple Zero has already killed the other guy who may have been able to help and now they have a 10 hour countdown. It turns out Prexo is on the other side of the city. It's going to take quite a while to get there. So Aphra and Triple Zero head to a train and they try and not murder anyone. That's what Aphra asks Triple Zero to do. It's like, can we just try and travel across without murdering people all the way across? Gets up to the train conductor person or the driver of the train at the front. It's a woman and they ask to get on. She says about IDs. They're like, look, can we just get on without IDs and bribe her? She says that's fine, and then she says about putting the droid, or Triple Zero, into the sort of back area where all the other droids are. Triple Zero doesn't like that very much. He starts to get quite aggressive, and as Aphra's trying to calm him down, the conductor or driver of the train then calls something called Snitch Line, which I love the name of that. Then these droids come down, or they kind of look like drones a little bit. They come down, pick up Triple Zero, and basically just throw him off a roof, which is quite funny, into sort of the underworld area in a sense. This woman thanks Aphra. She's like, thanks for letting me do that snitch line thing. You know, I've just made an extra 100 credits. And then Aphra says, oh, can I have my money back then if I don't get on the train? The t- conductor says, no. So Aphra grabs the gun that the conductor has. Why someone driving a train needs a gun, I'm not overly sure, but still. Uh, she takes the gun off her and then follows Triple Zero by diving off the side of her building. Aphra falls into a net, which is the net that caught Triple Zero seemingly. Then Triple Zero is being eaten by something called Girtle. Now, Girtle seems to be something called a Quaber Worm, Q-A-B-E-R-W-O-R-M. They're very protective of their owners, and they can't feel pain. I can't find them anywhere else in the canon, so it's seemingly only an Aphra. They're quite a cool-looking being, so it's quite hard to describe this thing. Just imagine a really, really big ball with tentacles. The ball itself is the mouth. It's got, like, three glowing red eyes on either side, and it is massive. It could probably swallow a car whole. That's the kind of size of it. It's grey massive mouth could yeah swallow a person whole easy and massive tentacles and things so 
there's this thing down there and its name is Gertle. Now, it can't speak to our knowledge, but it does have someone which is a little scrap girl. She is basically the owner of Gertle or Gertle is her pet. And as I said, Quabel worms are very protective of their owners and don't feel pain. And this one is starting to try and munch on triple zero. Afro manages to cut a deal with her and says, look, if you want to take triple zero, you can have him when we've done what we need to do. You can take him and then sell him for money if you want. And she's like, okay, that's cool. So she then takes them round to the other side of the city. So the three of them are on the back of Gertle and Afra is talking to this girl, Vulada, I think is how you pronounce her name. And she asks her, like, were you born down here? And Vulada says, no, we were war refugees. Now I'm going to read out exactly what she says because it's just a bit of backstory and it's quite interesting. So this is Vulada speaking. You've been to a frontline planet lately? They've got propaganda all over. Lovely, lawful Milvane, proof how perfect a world can be when you let the Empire in. When the rebellion came, my folks shipped us here with a big, dumb smile. Only, Dad had a speeder prang on his record, and Mum's papers had a stamp on the wrong page. The family in the next tent at the processing centre didn't like how Gertle smelled, so they snitched. And Afra says, and down you fell. And Vilada says, I hit a net. My folks didn't. And then Triple Zero whispers in Afra's ear, Bonding, it's too delicious. So yeah, obviously quite brutal, having a couple of people thrown off rooftops to hopefully hit a net just because a stamp in the wrong place and a speeder prang, yeah, quite intense. So while they're still travelling, Triple Zero says to Afra that the girl is quite a lot like her, so it's likely that she will betray her because that's exactly what Afra would do. And then while they're riding, they actually get stopped by Tam Posler with a gigantic gun. It seems like this gigantic gun is a little bit like the gun that was in the previous volume of Afro Comics where they like blew a hole in the Kreska Jail or managed to climb through. It seems to be that gun. But yeah, Tam Posler is attacking now, imbued with this force fungus and muttering about justice and whatnot. So he shoots this giant gun, it basically blows up and everyone gets flung off Gertle and... Afra and Triple Zero try and run away and Afra's got a gun. They then get pulled back by the Force, which is obviously Tam Posler in this strange zombie spore state, can use the Force on them, and confirms that they managed to find them using transponder codes. And Triple Zero's like, but how would you have my transponder codes? No one has got them except... And Tam Posler says, you think that flesh is all that the Force can reassemble? And then you see BT-1 beeping in the background. And the Tam Posler spore thing says, BT-1, annihilate them. And that is where that comic ends. So on to issue number 28. It starts off with BT-1 attacking Triple Zero with fire. Now Triple Zero is trying to talk to him while it's happening and going, oh, good job, BT-1. I see you're not really trying to hurt me because you know that I'm heatproof and things. And Afra's like diving out the way and is grabbing Triple Zero, trying to get him to move out the way as BT-1 starts shooting things that maybe would hurt Triple Zero quite a lot more than fire. While that's happening... Tam Posler approaches and grabs Afra and Triple Zero with the Force, and as they're kind of stuck there and BT is getting closer, Nock appears and spears him. So she does this jumping dive, and the spear goes through Tam Posler's corpse into the ground, and he's basically just kind of stuck there and seemingly dead, but obviously he's infected by this hook spore things, so he's not dead. BT then turns his attention to Winloss and Nock, and they use this iron net thing they've got to subdue him. Now, that's one of the photos I've taken to put on social media and things, because it's just quite colour-wise, these issues are amazing. I mean, the art in all of these is, is really, really cool, and it's definitely uh, well worth a read. And while Winloss and Nock have subdued BT-1, Afra and Zero run away. 
Back to Everson and Ponder Baba. Now, Everson puts a robotic arm on Ponder Baba, which shows that obviously in about a year since Obi-Wan sliced it off, he clearly hasn't had some sort of replacement. And so, yeah, he's got an out replacement robotic arm, which is nice and fun. And Everson puts out a call on a new frequency, basically publicizing the entirety of what Afra and Triple Zero are doing. He's calling for info to the police. He's saying that people can make money out of it, basically trying to get all of Milvane's eyes onto Afra. Afra and Triple Zero. It shows that Posler awakens with this spear thing through his chest, and Afra and Triple Zero run into Valada. I do want to apologize, I keep changing the pronunciation of it's either Vulada or Vulada, the V-U-L-A-A-D-A. She's a scrapper girl. I can't figure out how to pronounce it and I'm useless, so sorry about that, guys. Vulada or Vulada, same person, scrapper girl. So they find her while Triple Zero is telling Afro that there's that loyalty is such a stupid thing among organics and it's just fabrication and there's no way this girl would be loyal to them. And obviously then they find the girl and Afro gives him the smuggest grin ever. And I want to clarify, I'm scathing over a lot of the dialogue in this. These comics are quite dialogue heavy in, in the best ways because some of the dialogue that Triple Zero comes out with is genuinely some of the best Star Wars dialogue I've ever read. Now, it's mainly because it's really funny and sort of tongue-in-cheek stuff and obviously he's completely psychopath but he speaks in the same way that c-3po does with like etiquette and things so he uses all these words and if you read it in c-3po's voice it, it's just amazing i triple zero and afra are like the number one thing i want to be in live action i just think a triple zero afra movie or series could be incredible but aside from my hopes and dreams um i do recommend you guys check this out because as i said i'm scathing over a lot of the dialogue i'm not really going into the detail but a lot of these times i'm saying oh and then this happens and then this happens there's normally like two or three pages between between these events happening where it's just Triple Zero and Afra talking to each other. It's, it's just excellent. So Afra and Triple Zero hitch a ride on an Imperial bloat barge along with the Scrapper Girl. Now, it's quite an interesting thing because I haven't seen a bloat barge anywhere else. And they're basically this, it's like a big almost like a ship but it's connected by loads and loads of tubes and it sucks out important and valuable minerals from the air that the empire can then harvest and sell and do whatever with and then all of the sort of smog and gas and horrible stuff that this machine sucks in gets all spouted out in the underworld so everything's all sort of foggy and whatnot so is that sort of class system not too dissimilar from Coruscant but I think Coruscant there's like some amount of thousands of levels whereas here it seems like there's more so sort of above world and below it might be a bit more complicated than that but that's kind of in layman's terms how you can view it so they're on this thing the bloat barge you can go inside of it and they're just kind of sat in there and it just slowly makes its way across the city and it just looks like Gertle is taking a nap as well and obviously they were shot at by that giant gun thing not too long ago so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were somewhat tired there's then quite a few pages which are devoted to Afra and the Scrapper Girl having a conversation, um, talking about why Afra doesn't turn Triple Zero off, and then she asks why Afra betrayed Tolvin, and one quote specifically is that it's better to be alive and guilty than dead and anything which is it's quite a powerful message in a lot of ways and it's that kind of it's almost that reverse honor thing isn't it because you know a lot of people would say they'd rather be honorable but dead than dishonorable but alive and that sort of thing and this is flipping it saying no being alive is more important than basically anything while they're on this bloat barge sort of chilling and things triple zero has a little walk and then he gets confronted by tam posler and absolutely loads of police officers and police vehicles they're then all wondering how are they going to get out of this mess and Triple Zero decides to take the young Scrapper Girl hostage. 
Quite soon after that, she shoots Triple Zero through the centre of his torso with a gun and then confesses that she was the one who sold out Afra and Triple Zero's position. She says that she has to eat, get rich and save her own skin. And then she pistol whips Afra in the face and says, damn everyone else. And that is where comic number 28 ends. So comic 29 starts on an Imperial PR ship, which is the propaganda flagship. So PR, public relations. And it's showing that the viewing figures of Afra and Triple Zero is in the billions. There's this woman wearing a hood, but you can see her face fairly clearly, but it looks a little bit sinister. And she's speaking over hologram communication to one of the Imperial officers on the ship. And they're discussing how much the Empire has involvement with Milvane. Now, Milvane accepted the Empire to take control of the planet, but it has to be an invisible presence. So it's more that the Imperials are kind of behind the scenes doing things. And this woman is basically saying, well, this clearly isn't working because as there's so many people viewing this, what we're worried about is that the these two convicts on the run are inspiring people in Milvane to maybe rise up and question authority and order, which is a very important thing. So they decide to listen into the public's opinions using spies and audio scanners and things. While this is happening, Tam and the officers have surrounded Afra and Triple Zero. Afra has Triple Zero on her back, his legs are broken, they're still attached vaguely to him, but he clearly can't walk, and they're trying to work out a way to get out of this within seconds, and they decide to call Tamposla the vigilante. And they go, well, look, Tamposla, he got fired. He actually pursued a personal vendetta against orders. Check the warrant number. The officers look it up, they say, yep, he was dishonorably discharged, and then that causes some infighting, so Tam and the officers all start shooting each other, and once again, Triple Zero and Afra manage to bail. They manage to get out of the way a little bit, and then Afra says, look, I need to turn you off so that I can fix your legs, otherwise the bomb's going to go off, there's no hope of us at all getting out of here. So Triple Zero hesitantly allows her to turn him off to fix the legs and turn him back on again. And when that happens, you can see the public kind of reacting to everything like that, because when he gets turned off, the public who are viewing Anevazan can't see anything while Afra is doing repair work on him. So Triple Zero wakes up and he says, oh, you appear to have fixed me. And then he walks slowly towards Afra and she's like, um, Trip, you know, remember, be careful what you're doing. And then he grabs her, shoots out like his little blade finger things. And then he dives off the edge of a building and latches his hand onto a passing starship. So they're on this ship, they're being pursued and whatnot, and Nock is now pursuing them, jumping from sort of ship to ship with that big spear that she's got. And Triple Zero is trying to get out of the way, and he says, Slow down. I was built for agony, not agility. And I like that little bit because that's like a, a connection to C-3PO, who says, I was programmed for etiquette, not destruction. And I'm pretty certain he does that in episode two, when I think his head is connected to the droid body in the Geonosis Colosseum and things. But I like the parallels they clearly and cleverly draw between 3PO and Triple Zero. I would love for them to meet, although I think Triple Zero would probably <laughs> try and kill or turn off permanently C-3PO if they did ever interact, but I think it would be hilarious. Especially if they're like tied up or something, if they both got like captured by Jawas or something ridiculous, and they both like powered down, and so they couldn't move, except they were there just talking to each other. I'd love to hear a conversation between C-3PO being, you know, very subservient and serving all the humans, and Triple Zero being the exact opposite. I think, Star Wars, if you're listening, do that and I'll be happy. Knock the Trandoshan, she's pursuing them with the big spear thing, and she launches at them, and then she gets hit in the side and collapses. 
They're a little bit confused where that came from and they can hear some sort of beeping. And Tripozeo's like, I know that sound. And then he exclaims, our BT-1, you must have survived. And so Tripozeo heads straight for BT-1 without thinking about anything else. And Aphra's calling to him saying, look, this might be a trap. Like, she's a Trandoshan. She probably wouldn't have been hit in the side while jumping at us. That seems all very convenient. And she gets to Tripozeo, not quite in time, right as he gets to BT-1. And then the platform that they're standing on, lots of poles shoot out the sides and it folds in on itself and it becomes a cage trapping the two of them. He goes back to the Imperial Propaganda flagship and they confirm that public aggression has gone up. They're saying that attacks are going up more and more. It's basically public unrest is being exacerbated by everything that's going on with Aphra and Triple Zero. The leader then says to use the railgun because clearly the invisible touch has failed. And you see it happen. They shoot a railgun from orbit down to this planet, right where all those speeders and things were. It, it looks a little bit like in episode two when they're on Coruscant and you've got Anakin pursuing Zam Wessel along with Obi-Wan. And there's those bits where, you know, they're jumping from ship to ship and things. There's just like traffic everywhere. It's a little bit like that, but on a, a smaller scale, it seems. And there's not as much distance between, you know, Anakin jumps off and free falls for like 30 seconds and he's still nowhere near the bottom, whereas this looks not quite as high as that. But just imagine someone shooting a railgun from space into that very densely populated area and it destroys a lot of speeders and things. The ship slash platform thing that Aphra and Zero are in, in that cage, it starts to fall and Winloss and Nock eject out of it because it is falling very, very quickly. And the last panels of this comic has got Afra yelling no as she falls and you've got Triple Zero who is ripping into her, which is amazing. I'm going to read just a bit of it because it is quite funny. So this is Triple Zero saying to Afra, Indeed, the problem is not that you are immoral, Doctor. The problem, the reason that you are doomed to repeat the same errors until your end is that you are a disaster. And since you are also a pathetically lonely little ape, you deal with both inadequacies the same way. You drag everyone down with you. And the final panel is just them in the falling ship heading towards the very smoky ground. So on to the penultimate issue of this story, issue number 30. So it shows that Aphra has survived the crash and she is being asked by Imperials to promote the love of the Empire. They grab Tripozoa's head and he is currently deactivated and they say that they've put a signal disruptor in there so they can ask her to do these things without any of the public knowing it and then they can, you know, stop the disruptor and then the public hear Aphra speaking so well about the Empire. And they're basically saying, look, we'll let you go if you speak really nicely about the Empire, if you say how good it is to follow the law and you try and basically kick this public unrest down and we'll see what we can do. Aphra in response says, Special Command Override 6 Omega Green to invert polarity and trigger. And before the Imperials know what's happening, this big pulse blows from triple zero. Aphra awakens and she says that she can't feel her legs and she has a conversation with Triple Zero. It's been confirmed that she installed a seismic pulse into him which was going to be used to kill him. So if she hadn't said reverse polarity then it would have basically made this pulse go inside him and it would have basically just decimated everything that made him him which is the Triple Zero personality matrix and her idea was to use that once the bombs had been deactivated and she popped that in there when she fixed Triple Zero's legs. Tripozero commends her for, instead of, you know, saving that for later, using it to actually save the two of them. And it did kill a fair few Imperials, but don't worry, the Imperials that it didn't kill, Tripozero tortured and killed. Because Aphra's actually been unconscious for three hours, which means they've only got about two and a half hours left before the bombs explode. Tripozero, in some out-of-character thanks to Aphra for saving his life, 
shows her footage of Tolvin, who is alive. She is shaking hands with Mon Mothma on a rebel base, and Sarnastaros is nearby. So clearly, Tolvin has now defected to the rebels. Now, this is all stuff that was found in the depths of the Imperial propaganda. I don't know if it's in archives or what, but basically, Tripleser has managed to find out from torturing that Imperial officer and going into the data that they hold and a nearby terminal. He managed to find this information about Tolvin. And the reason it hasn't been reported to the public yet is because if a high-up Imperial inspector was defecting, it may give the public the air quotes wrong impression that maybe people are on the wrong side. And Afra says, well, what's going on with the broadcast and things? And Triple says, oh, yes, well, the Pulse deactivated the disruptor. So the broadcast is currently on and everyone can see what's going on right now. Afra is then crying happy tears, which she said is the first time she's ever done that. And she thanks Triple Zero. They then have a back and forth and it basically gets confirmed that Triple Zero and Afra together is the closest thing that Afra has actually had to a relationship, which... Obviously, she has this weird on and off thing with Tolvin, but having sort of a kinship and, you know, those two doing things for each other, as in Afra and Triple Zero, especially on this wild ride that they've had together, is fairly close to what would be considered friends, which Afra doesn't really have any of. As a thank you for Triple Zero confirming that Tolvin is alive, Afra then gives Triple Zero the code to unlock his memories that were encrypted. And I want to say the artwork for showing what the encrypted memory, sort of how it unfolds in Triple Zero's head, looks amazing. It's one of the coolest pages I've actually seen, and there's just so much to look at. It's not one of the ones I've had a photo of. Sorry, guys, you're going to have to read the comic to enjoy that part, because I'm not giving you everything. But yeah, so Triple Zero, his memories got unlocked, and he starts remembering his previous murders and all those sort of things. While Zero is basically going through his memories and figuring those things out, Winloss and Nock appear and smack Afra around the face. She collapses to the floor, they hold her at gunpoint, there's like a back and forth, and eventually Winloss and Nock agree to leave Afra because she's just pathetic. After watching the fact that her closest thing to a human connection and a real relationship has been with a psychopathic protocol droid, it's so sad that Winloss and Nock believe that just leaving her is probably more torture than actually killing her, so it's just this it's so pitiful afra is so pathetic they just don't want to kill her anymore they've just lost the urge to kill her and then the last sort of few pages and panels of this comic as it, it it's a lot of dialogue in this and there's a lot of really cool things visually i am just kind of jumping about details and whatnot triple zero recalls his creation and it turns out that he was actually created in error his creators were trying to create someone else entirely and they were going to destroy the triple zero personality matrix but he managed to escape and he managed to get on a ship and leave and cause terror he then is shocked by this revelation that he was actually meant to be destroyed instead of being this great invention and this big moment in science creating in what he believes he's probably the perfect being and he feels like he's lost meaning of his life and that he just kind of loses hope and decides to just walk away from Afra. and as that's happening she's like chasing after him or well, chasing her legs don't work still after that pulse so she is crawling after him saying if you leave me if you get too far away the bombs will go off and we will die and he just says to Afra that she made the wrong choice that she shouldn't have given the memories back and the comic ends with the bomb beeping very loudly about to detonate. So we embark on the final issue of this arc, issue number 31. So Tripazur is walking away from Afra on the floor. She is then crawling to the corpse of BT-1 and she manages to bring him alive and Tripazur hears BT-1's beeps. He stops walking away so they don't explode and Afra just lays on the floor says, thank the stars. 
Triple Zero then says to BT1, how do I know that you're not under Aphra's control? And BT1 stabs Aphra in the leg, <laughs> uh, which is like, oh, BT, it is you. And Aphra says to him, well, does this mean that you're not going to kill yourself now? And to quote Triple Zero, he says, hmm, perhaps I was being a trifle rash. A little something you've taught me, Doctor. One doesn't feel one's own pointlessness quite so deeply when one has comrades to share it with. And it does a little montage of like all the people who are watching Milvane. They're all going, oh, how sweet. And you've got Evazan and Ponda Baba are next to each other. And Ponda puts his hand on Evazan's shoulder. And Evazan says, yes, yes, old friend. The deplorable slaughter gadget does make a heartwarming point. It is very disappointing. So Afra holds onto the back of Triple Zero and Triple Zero is riding BT1 like almost like a Segway and it's riding towards the place that they're going but thinking that they're probably still not going to make it in time. They then run into the little scrapper girl, Vulada or Vulada. Um, she apologizes for betraying them, says the imps haven't actually paid her or anything, as in the Imperials haven't paid her or anything, and uh, she is really sorry. She decides to give them a lift on good old Girtle, and as they're kind of making their way through the city, including while Aphra and Triple Zero are riding BT1 through the city, in the background you just see a lot of silhouettes of people and a lot of people on their porches sort of waving to Aphra and, and Triple Zero, because obviously they're like basically celebrities now at the moment, and Aphra mentions to the Scrapper Girl, screw the people in charge, and when that happens... You see a lot of the people watching have like a, a moment. They kind of see it and have a little ponder. Then with about 10 minutes to spare, Afra and Triple Zero manage to reach Professor Prexo's place. They get up to the door and there's a sign there saying that he is actually away and he has gone on a trip. Then they turn around and they're surrounded by more Imperials, lots of Stormtroopers. And while this is all happening, it is all being narrated by someone that we find out to be Minister Petina Vore. And she was the one who's the shady woman in the holograms and things. She's basically the leader of the propaganda machine at the moment. So Triple Zero, Afra, and BT-1 are getting surrounded by stormtroopers. And so Afra and Triple Zero say to BT-1, annihilate them. And then chaos ensues. BT-1 starts firing out everywhere. And it shows in the middle of the crowd where the stormtroopers are, Tam Posler is actually there. And Triple Zero goes up to Tam Posler and sets him ablaze. As Tam Posler is burning and whatnot, he shoots out a rogue bolt out of the blast that he is holding. The bolt goes straight towards the scrapper girl and it's about to hit her, and then Afra dives in front of it, saving the life of Vulada. Triple Zero does watch this happen, which means all of Milvane watch it happen, and because of that moment, it causes mass rioting and public solidarity against the Empire. Now, once again, the art in this scene when Afra does get shot, it is really cool. It's a really nice double page spread. And it's got like a montage thing where you kind of see all the chaos that's happening, all narrated by Minister Vors. And Vors is speaking into this little recording device that she's got in her office. And she mentions that she's going to suppress most of the details that were from Milvane so the rest of the galaxy don't hear about this crazy thing that Afra and Triple Zero did that caused such public uproar. And because Milvane is specifically used by the Empire as an example of, you know, this is what happens when you let the Empire in, which obviously is what the Scrapper Girl said towards the start when she was talking about her parents and whatnot. So Milvane is like this model Imperial city in the eyes of the Empire. So they don't want everyone to know that they managed to cause mass uproar, rioting and an uprising, all because Triple Zero and Afra were running amok. Vaughn says to herself that she's actually only recording all these details in truth because she needs to unburden herself with the truth because then she can start to suppress the truth and tell her own narrative. But to do that, one has to unburden themselves with the truth. 
It then shows with there's writing going on, there's fire everywhere, and Afra is laying on the floor, bleeding out. She's been shot basically in the centre of her chest, and she says to Triple Zero she thinks she's dying. Triple Zero says, yeah, it does look like you're dying, you're probably going to bleed out soon. And he says, well, luckily for you, we're going to explode in mm, about 20 seconds, so it doesn't matter anyway. Afra says to Triple Zero, the kid, and get the civilians, get them away from us. And Triple Zero says, oh, I don't think so, we are together, Dr. Afra." Together at the end. I confess that makes me rather glad. Let's not ruin it by being selfless, hmm? And they start a little countdown to themselves while holding hands, which is quite a nice moment. And then, as it gets down to the what would be the one-timer, it cuts to Winless and Knock. Winless says, there we go, the bombs are deactivated. And it shows that they have managed to break into Dr. Everson's place and stop the bombs going off. Knock grabs Pondababa's robotic arm, rips it off him, so now he is once again armless, and they confirm the way they managed to find them is using Professor Prexo, the only cyberdoc who's smart enough in Milvane to be able to trace the broadcast signal back to its source. And they managed to get there before Afra could, which is why he wasn't there. And then the final few panels of this comic and this very story arc, you've got Triple Zero standing over Afra and saying, Goodbye, Dr. Afra. My dear, terrible friend, and good luck. And Triple Zero and BT1 walk off into the distance, and the last you see of Afra is her laying on the floor with the scrapper girl standing over her while there's chaos all around. And there's a few other panels which are basically just this Minister Vore's woman recording and things, and then she needs to go for this meeting, and it shows that she actually reports directly to Palpatine. And the whole comic finishes with Palpatine saying, Trust is the preserve of fools and corpses. Obviously because Palpatine rules with fear and an iron fist, he doesn't trust people to do the right job, he instills fear into them that if they don't do the right job, they will be punished. Um, that's got a good just little panel just to show, and there's quite nice artwork here to see Palpatine here, where he's got lots of his advisors and his Imperial Royal Guards around him and things, and it just shows that Minister Vors, the leader of the Imperial propaganda, reports directly to Palpatine. And that is where that comic ends. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, this is a really, really fun comic to revisit and read. As I said, the Afro comics are excellent, and I, I don't know if they necessarily get better and better, but they are... The first couple of volumes are good, but they're not top-tier Afro. It does take a while. I like hearing about Afro and mainly Triple Zero. I just think they work so well together, and their back and forth is brilliant. Some of the dialogue in these Afro comics is just excellent. They do weird and wonderful things, like these crazy Force-sensitive hook spores. You know, Afro is the playing ground for Star Wars and I've been reading the second run of Afro comics which is set after Empire Strikes Back and it's written by Alyssa Wong. I think it's on the 10th or 12th issue around that sort of mark. I'm reading those at the moment. Well, obviously I'm not doing them on comics and canon because that would get very confusing for you guys, but I'm reading them at the same time and they are really, really cool as well. So when I finish the whole run of Afra, I am excited to get onto the second run of Afra in the future. But what have we got coming up then, guys? So next week, you can look forward to the Age of Resistance Heroes episode. So that is going to be the final batch of one-shot stories that I am tackling and that will finish up the whole Age of Resistance comics that I've been doing which in case you're not aware a one-shot is just a one-off comic and the age of series is basically a one-off comic about an individual character there's heroes and there's villains i did the villains ones uh three or four weeks ago now so the heroes ones are next so it's basically just the heroes of the sequel trilogy i think there's a story about poe ray finn rose maz kanata bb8 and 
Admiral Holdo, who is um, the character played by Laura Dern in The Last Jedi with the, the purple hair, who does the amazing Holdo maneuver uh, when she, you know, shoots the Radis at light speed into the ships and things, which I'm sure I will get into that and explain a little bit about that when I do tackle that. But that's going to be four main stories, four main comics, and then there's a special which has got the mini stories, which I think is with BBA, Maz Kanata, and Admiral Holdo, from what I can remember. So that's going to be next week. The week after that is going to be the next batch of Star Wars comics, just the main run of Star Wars. Then the week after that will be part two of my Kanan comics, well, my Kanan comics, part two of the Kanan kind of mini series but it'll be the next six of those and then after that it'll mean i've done every mini series and also every one-shot comic so then after the canaan comics i'll be back doing afra once again and then from there the world is my oyster as it were i'll be either tackling the second run of darth vader comics that's looking semi-likely uh there's also the High Republic comics ongoing, there's the Bounty Hunters comics ongoing, there's loads of ongoing comics and things, and also the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover epic is starting soon, and that's going to be involving the ongoing series of Bounty Hunters, Aphra, Darth Vader, main run of Star Wars, as well as the War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries, as well as individual comics themselves, all culminating into a story about Boba Fett trying to get the Carbonite Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt because obviously the bounty on Han Solo is incredibly high so all the bounty hunters in the galaxy are trying to get it so I'm very excited to read that it's kind of Charles Saul is at the helm and anyone who listens to my show enough knows that I absolutely love Charles Saul so it's quite exciting in that regard and I'll be tackling that at some point but I think it goes on from like I think it's like June it starts and it doesn't finish until I think October and there's a lot of issues involved so we'll see how I sort of tackle those things there but if you guys have any suggestions on what you want me to tackle next I th- uh, obviously I've just confirmed what I'm doing for the next month um, but obviously once I've finished the Canaan and the Age of comics I will then have two spaces in my schedule per month to do with what I want one of them I'm pretty sure I'm just going to do the 2017 Charles Saul Darth Vader ones but that other slot you know I've got a few options and I'd I'd love to hear what you guys think about that Uh, aside from that there's not really a huge amount else to add apart from myself Megan and Dave did do a special episode on the Bad Batch we tackled episode one and episode two spoke about some of the connections to the Clone Wars and Rebels and those sort of things and that's on the feed of Comics in Motion so you can check that out of the date of releasing this episode which is released on the 15th of May it was I believe the Sunday before it so you know thereabouts a week before Uh, aside from that i've got a few other things in the pipeline as well so keep your eyes on the feed of comics in motion make sure you check out my other show genuine chit chat i've also got a guest coming on the show who was heavily involved with certain aspects of return of the jedi which i'm very excited to speak with this gentleman about once i've got that conversation recorded and in the bag i will then talk about it a bit more because i don't want to jinx it or anything like that and yeah aside from that check out my patreon guys you know patreon.com slash genuine chit chat you can go on there you get early access to photos of star wars comics that i tackle for this show you also get early access to genuine chit chat stuff and then also my afterthoughts show that i do with megan i've added a new tier for only one pound a month which is literally 25p a week you will get access to the feed that I upload everything on. It's like the bare bones package in a sense. And you just get access to all the Afterthoughts episodes we do, which is about two a week, as well as early access to Genuine Chit Chat. And whenever I release early access to other things as well, they will go on that feed too. So if you want more content from me, and if you want to hear myself and Megan talk about all kinds of different TV shows that we watch and movies and things, and just 
if you want to hear what it's like me and Megan talking, you know, generally how we are as a couple, then one pound a month. It would mean the absolute world to me if any of you did uh, apply for that. I've already got quite a few patrons and I appreciate each and every one of those because I know a lot of them listen to this show. So I love all of you if you're listening. And I just want to say anyone who's considering going to Patreon and supporting me, one pound a month, it genuinely means so much to me. But if you don't want to contribute financially, Still go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. There's two episodes on there completely for free, which are series one and our views on Star Wars The Phantom Menace. And also, you could also share episodes of this show on social media with your friends, with your family, review on iTunes, talk about it, basically. If you don't want to support financially, which I understand in these times that not often people want to, spread the word of Star Wars Comics and Canon, of Comics and Motion, and of Genuine Chit Chat. Anyway, guys, that is enough from me. Thank you, as always, for listening. You genuinely don't know how much it means to me. I appreciate all of you a huge, huge amount. And as always, guys, may the Force be with you.